And this is Let's Talk Dispatch. I do. You're going to do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. In the mud, blood, and beer. Years that I'm not working Fourth of July. Fourth of July. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode here at Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the Raspy Dispatcher. Um, I am, I'm excited for this episode, uh, mostly because I volunteered my old academy, uh, partner. We used to teach in the academy at my old agency together, my old coworker and my good friend, Katie is going to come on today and she is going to talk about her experience as a dispatcher and her hopes for the future. Hey, Katie, how are you? Good. Just, you know. Posted to the gram that I'm about to be internet famous. <laughs> oh, did you tag me? <laughs> I, I, I did tag the raspy dispatcher. It was a little intro, and I was like, hey, mom, look. <laughs> look at all that support, love, appreciate you. Um, like, we used to work together, and we used to be, I don't know what we call it, co-teachers, co <laughs> Co-visionaries. Co-visionaries, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, uh, we saw the future. Yeah. We taught some post-class, taught some geography for our department. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I'd have to say that you are one of the most committed dispatchers I have ever met. And I don't know if I've ever told you that. I'm just going to tell you now That's on this live time. recording. So, so no, genuinely, like you're someone who just like wants to do things well, wants to be involved, wants to like help where you can help. Um, and I think we need that in, in this world of dispatching and first responders and whatnot. I mean, I could say it's the anxiety <laughs> within me that pushes me to do that. But I think it's just, you know, it's the coworkers, the, the people, the wanting to, to be the difference, be the change. <laughs> How did you get into public safety? What is what is your story? Okay, so my story is start off when I was a wee babe in my mother's eye. I was a twinkle. Um, my dad's a fireman. Uh, he's a, in a big agency in California. And uh, I was 25 or 26, realizing, oh, my God, I'm still bartending, which nothing wrong with that. But, like, I have a fear of, like, I'm going to get old and die one day. What am I going to do? <laughs> And so I started like looking for anything. I was like trying office jobs and I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. I guess like I can show up nine to five every day and say like, hello, thank you for calling. And you know, that stuff tried being an orthodontic assistant. Disgusting. (laughs) Braces are, there are things growing in there. Oh. And they're like, oh, just clean it out. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I need a fuller face mask. I need a oh, bodysuit. I can smell last week's cheese sandwich. Oh, that's not good. Um, and so I was 25 or 26 and spiraling. I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't, I physically can't bartend forever because like, I just, I don't see a future for myself in that. And I wasn't someone who grew up and was like, I want to be a doctor. <laughs> I want to be a policeman. I want to be a dispatcher. I didn't know dispatchers were a thing. And my dad said, you know what? You're a little bit of a control freak. 
Mm. I said, I can see that. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and he goes, why don't you get into dispatch? And I said, like, truckers? <laughs> like, toot, toot, ten four. And he's like, no, like, police, fire. And I was like, what's, what's that about? And he explained his side of the knowledge, being a firefighter, limited. Uh, <laughs> and I was My like, <laughs> firefighters <laughs> really people um, explained his idea of you know what dispatchers do and was like you know check out you know your your local government website see what they're doing and I was like okay and I the getting the critical appointment was super fast because I was just like yeah I'm interested and they're like show up for this test and I was like okay I hate tests I hate them. Um, I've never been a good test taker. So knowing that I was suddenly being asked to take a test and not knowing what the heck it was, I then started freaking out and I was like, I'm not going to do this. Not going to do it. I don't test well, never tested well. That's why I didn't go to college. That's why I didn't finish college. I, I, I did like a couple semesters. Yeah. I was going to be a history major because I wanted to be Indiana Jones. That was that was the one time where I thought maybe I had a dream. That's needed for Indiana Jones as a career. Um, so I was like, okay, it's critical test. And my dad's like, oh, they have these online tests. And I was like, online tests, okay. He sends me a link. It was like, oh, for $30, you can do all the online practice tests you want for it. Thank God I did that. Mm. I had not touched a computer in like five years. Mm. Like other than like my phone screen to order something. I hadn't had a full keyboard in front of me. My initial typing score was like eight words per minute. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, guarantee, you know, you need a guarantee you can type this fast. I'm like, oh, like that's like 15 times below what I should be at. That's hilarious. So for like the next two weeks, I was like sitting there just the dog jumped out. The the quick brown fox jumped over the log. <laughs> um, I think that is the sentence they use. I think <laughs> that sounds it's so, something about a fox and a log. So next couple weeks, I'm sitting there. I'm I'm doing it repeatedly, and I'm like, okay, this is great. I take the test. It's like you're pat. You passed. I'm like, yay! This must mean I got the job. Nope, I hear nothing for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I like had passed the test but like still wasn't chosen and so I went from like telling my boss like hey man like I'm going for a real job one day I'm you know you better start looking for a new bar manager to like being like hey I hope you didn't look for a bar manager because I'm probably gonna be here forever um and out of the blue they start you know hey can you come in for this can you come in for that Note, always bring backup interview shoes, if, especially if you're female and you're wearing heels. One of my interviews on my way in, or it was either a way to my car or something, I broke a heel. <laughs> okay. Now, I did have a second pair of heels in my car. They were my going out heels. Oh, well, there was that one number. Yeah. They were platform stilettos. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wearing 
a like interview dress with like a blazer and then these thick platform stilettos like i'm talking like heels they're dangerous (laughs) and unreliable they're great for Ma'am, if someone tried to carjack me, I could take one of those off them, club them. No, you try to hit them with it, it's going to break is what it sounds like. You hit the hefty part. You hit with the hefty part. <laughs> um, showed up and so I showed up in like these stilettos. My boss still won't let me live it down. She's like, oh, so kind of heels you wearing today. I'm like, that's great. In my defense, it was show up in those or be barefoot. Oh my gosh, did you tell them like, hey, I broke my heels on the way in or you just owned it? You just owned, owned it. Still owned it. it. It didn't get brought up till I was in the academy and, and Beth brought it up. Oh my gosh. That's and a- I was like, the one to bring it up. That's see funny. what had happened was a shoe broke. <laughs> and it was like, be on time, be late. <laughs> I didn't have a second pair of interview shoes. That wasn't something I had. I was like, maybe I'll throw like some some kicks on, you know, come in there in some Adidas. Oh my god, <laughs> in my Adidas! <laughs> I didn't have time to glue my heel back on. That's we were, we were ready for the next interview. It was fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's something you can put into the interview and just be like, you know, dispatchers. We have to be able to turn on the dime and figure oh, it out, right. and you know, roll with the punches. And you demonstrated that. Yeah. And so after like months and months of, you know, interviews where like they completely humbled me because they're like, oh, why do you have so many fix it tickets as a 20 year old? And I was like, oh, I was really bad at like figuring out like that you can't pay those in cash and that you like actually have to have them signed off and like admitting every mistake I've ever made as an adult. (laughs) most humbling experience ever, especially if you're like me. And um, adulting did not come easy. Um, So it was a humbling experience in a lot of interviews. Um, But once that was done, it was, ta-da, welcome to the Academy where you think you are going to be ready for it because you made all your flashcards ahead of time. No, you should have known the flashcards because it's test time day one. (laughs) <laughs> they give you a test day one i think it was day two. Oh my gosh but still, I, thought, day one. I thought making the 200 cards oh i was i was ahead of the game i was i had ever i was prepared no no <laughs> i wasn't prepared and I for, i'd forgotten how to like learn mm-hmm. so like i was like sitting there and i'm like flashcard 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 and i'm like why is nothing sticky that was not my learning style so that was that was a whole other story, but that's how I got to dispatch. So you you so like like I've said in the last couple of interviews is like folks either like know somebody who's in like a first responder field and they get pulled into it, or they just literally like stumble into it, you know, yeah. the way shape or form. So um, did your dad ever say anything like, "Why did you go do trying to be a fire fire dispatcher?" You know, since that's the family family your job or um, hate on, on the PD side of things. No, there's no people well, between five, five so, and please, you know? So where he is, fire and PD have a different relationship mm. than like my local fire and PD. Mm. Um, like, you know, they're not staging for the same, having police stage for the same things. And his agency, they do <sighs> Their dispatchers do police and fire. Okay. 
So like for all he knew, that's what we did. Mm. Um, and now like he's one of those, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like <laughs> I don't have to worry about her. Let's not mess <laughs> with this. Like she got her retirement. I, I can be safe now. <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> did you child have- that I crossed it off the list? That kid's done. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever have a, have an urge to go into like the medical side of dispatch? Because I do not. I have no urge to go into the medical side of dispatch. So, somewhat. Mm. Um, between tactical dispatching, mm. um, where we went out with SWAT, mm. um, and and a couple of calls where I've had the victim of a shooting on the phone, mm. and our mind you, our fire dispatchers are just as understaffed as police dispatchers. Mm-hmm. So there are nights where this one in particular. I could not get through to fire. Mm. I can't give medical advice. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm. It was really hard. Um, Cause like I have basic knowledge mm. read as like, you know, Girl Scout first aid, you know, Grey's Anatomy. Definitely Grey's. Definitely. You know, I, I know like if it's bleeding from the thigh and it's not stopping with pressure, like maybe get a tourniquet, like, but I can't say any of that. Um, and it's really hard when you have someone who's asking you to help them mm-hmm. and you keep getting a, you know, reporting of, Hey, you've reached the fire department, stay on the line, don't hang up. And you're mm-hmm. sitting there and you're like, I'm, I'm still trying to get you through. Like they're started no matter what they're coming to you. I just can't give you instructions to help you. Yeah. And so it made me, I actually asked my boss and was like, Hey, if I took a class that was approved by post for medical. Could I then, if this happened again, give medical advice? I can't because our, our, I guess the way ours works, it, it would not cover me if something went wrong. Exactly. The liability is so great. I mean, we even have had like um, lateral dispatchers come in, who were at an agency where they did medical and they being trained in it can't give it either because you're giving, excuse me, you're giving this advice on behalf of the department you're working for. Mm -hmm. So you have to follow the the policies and procedures that are within the department, because if you go outside of them, you won't be protected. Yeah. You know, and I have to admit, if I told them to put a tourniquet, I can't tell you if a tourniquet could cause you to lose your leg. I don't know what happens if it gets put on wrong. Mm-hmm. And I will freely admit it. So that's why, like, part of me was like, tell them put on a tourniquet. I'm like, I can't do it. I was like, I mean, do you, have you guys ever seen, you know, a, a medical show where there's this kind of, I'm like trying to push them towards, like, apply pressure. Yeah. Apply. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever, you know, have has any of you ever taken a first aid class? Yeah. Like, seen, you know, what to do. Yeah, and it's it's using your words, you know, wisely, such as, you know, do what's do what you think is best, you know, what do you think, what, do what's going to keep you safe. Like, that's something I would always use at my old agency. It's like, do whatever you think is going to keep you safe, because if I tell you to run into a bedroom and lock the door, then that person climbs to the window, and you can't get out because the door's locked, you know, it can all come back as a liability, on the yeah. person giving that direction. So it's not like the movies. 
folks in like a lot of the, you know, dispatch movies that you're watching, it's, you know, we, we don't have all the answers as the folks who are answering 911. We don't have a blueprint of your house that's we like, do not have if a you take this air duct, it's mm-hmm. going to lead you to the second floor. Yeah. You that's the second floor. There's some stairs. <laughs> we do not have that luxury. So sometimes it, it feels, for dispatchers, I would say, and like that that's call you're talking about where you're transferring and you can't get through because other, other calls... Yeah. Are happening is it can feel a little uh, a little helpless for the dispatcher, you know. Um, and I mean, if we unpack it even further, this is why we need to utilize nine one one for life and death emergencies only. So if you're calling nine one one, and I'm now having to transfer you on nine one one, or we're taking up time, you're blocking a line. So if I'm transferring that shooting call to fire, and fire's dealing with a non emergency. And they're trying to triage that and get them off the line. My caller's getting blocked, right? So my caller can't get through because fire's busy in general. And then they're busy with non-emergencies that are utilizing the services. Wrong. It's, it's hard because with how understaffed every, not every, that's that's a wide statement. How understaffed many agencies are, mm-hmm. um, you, you'll get people who are like, oh, I called, or I called non-emergency and didn't answer. So I called 911. It's like. Yeah, we didn't answer because we're prioritizing all you know life or death emergencies. Do you have one? And they say no, but I have a question. Okay, yeah. I have my own ring for life or death emergencies. Do you have one? No, I have a question. And you're like, I'm trying to guide you. Yeah, I mean, so I've had folks. Yeah, I've had folks call, um, and it's only me and this other person in the room, which is vastly different from our original experience together, <laughs> right? And. I mean, and right, fifteen people. <laughs> but one person's on radio, one person answering the phones. We have a priority event happening, and I'm throwing folks on hold because I'm trying to help my partner. Right. Yeah. So, do you have a life or death? Call it on the non-emergency line. Do you have a life or death emergency, or can you hold? I can hold. Hold. Um, do you have a life or death emergency, or can you hold? And they're like, "Well," and like, "Do you do yes or no? Do you have yeah. a life or death emergency, or can you hold? Hold, because." And and sometimes I'll hang up and call right back. Hello, same person, still same question. Do you have a life emergency or can you hold? And it's it's funny because we have you know, we even see those who are experiencing homelessness. They have smartphones now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 not um a luxury to have a smartphone anymore. Mm -hmm. It's it's um it's everyone has a a type of it. Um, Some have Wi-Fi. Some have data. That's, that's where it differs. Um, but the amount of people who have so much knowledge at their fingertips mm-hmm. that they can do something like Google the non-emergency number. Go, uh, let me Google that for you. Hold on with me. Um, you know, it, it's, it's upsetting to see how many people don't do that. And they'd rather sit there and argue about like, well, why can't you just tell me? I can't tell you because I've got someone on the other line who's being stabbed. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you because like we just had you know, a vehicle hit a bunch of people and I got to keep answering 911 to try and get like a plate from, from someone who saw it. Yeah. Or we're working multiple shootings and a DV all happen at the same time across the city. You know, it's just, um, we definitely want to encourage citizens to utilize the services and understand we want to answer your question and get you off the phone just as much as you want your question to be answered. Like, 
we don't want to spend all that time talking to you because you never know when another emergency yeah. is going to drop. And if they're, if we're throwing you on hold, if we're saying we, you know, this is not a life or death emergency, utilize this number, so on and so forth, it's valid. There's a reason for it. Yeah. If the dispatcher is being a little short, it's because we got, there's other things going on outside of this phone call. You know? And it's hard because, like, we get something <clears throat> with, oh, you know, well, I called, you know, 20 minutes ago. And it's about uh, a car they don't recognize on their street, but no one's in it. Yeah. Or um, a vehicle blocked the driveway. Things that aren't necessitating an immediate response in our eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in their eyes feel like it could. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's annoying. It's, yeah. it's scary. You don't know who this person is. It's parked there. Um, and it's hard because they'll keep calling on 911 even after you've told them like, Hey, you know, my officers have to get to the stabbings, the shootings, the, the kids that are being hurt before they can get to, to this type of thing. Mm-hmm. And the amount of, um, angst and ire that we get back, I got called like the best string of curse words the other day it was a mixture what was it? it was like a mixture of british curse terms mm-hmm. and like some there was like some slang in there like i had to look up some of these words because i had no idea what some of it meant and i was That's like awesome. <laughs> I written like the exact way he strung them together like down because mm-hmm. if i ever got into like just like a really like when i'm 80 and i'm allowed to be like you know ah you know i I would have wanted to use that. (laughs) Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. It was good. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, speaking of fire, you said before we got on here that you had a fire, a a funny fire call uh, (laughs) that (laughs) you wanted to share. So I'm bringing it up. What's this fire call? So I got a call from the fire department because a gentleman had a water gun on him, self-admittedly. And I had to explain what a water gun was. (laughs) <laughs> wait like the little like a little squirt gun <laughs> oh so they wanted us to stage they wanted to stage and have us go clear the scene yeah for, for a and i mean mind you there's you know orbeez guns now too so i explained you know it could be from this to this because there's there's different ends of it now because you know kids toys ever changing mm-hmm. i was like could be you know child's toy just like Choo, 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 like little spurts of water or it could be like little gel balls of water more often than not child's toys can yeah. it cause damage sure but so can you know throwing a pillow yeah if you, if you do it at the right velocity anything can cause damage mm. um and so it was a really interesting thing to have to explain that i was sitting there like what is the correct term for me to use? And how do I say this without sounding 
like I'm talking down or purposely being rude. Yeah. Because it was like three in the morning. I'm tired. They're tired. Every, you know, it's, the, it's towards the end of a graveyard shift. Everyone's, everyone's, you know, you've put in your 12 hours already, probably. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're exhausted. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like trying to compute through my slow brain. Like, you know, what do you mean? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> so they literally called up like, hey, what is a water gun? Well, they asked, they asked us to stage. And I was like, for this? For, for a water gun? Yes. You know what that is, right? No. Oh, okay. So, children's toy. Yeah. Children's toys. You know, a little bit of water. Yeah. Um, joked about it with my friends for like a. We're still we're still laughing about. But it. did we end up staging? Did we end up going? <laughs> well. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those. I'm gonna have my superior call you superior. The hard part was we had already gone. Oh, <laughs> and that's where we get into like, you know how how things can sometimes be weird between agencies. Oh my god, that's funny. That's hilarious. We we didn't go back out though. <laughs> oh my gosh, do you remember any of your first early calls for service? <laughs> Were you a poo magnet? <laughs> so my first day with answering phones. Now this is I'm still in the academy. Uh-huh. I haven't. Even, I have. I'm not supposed to be doing my own thing yet. But I'm kind of a go getter. <laughs> next to my trainer, Control she's freak. <laughs> bright, bubbly, spirited person, and she, she's like, "Do you want to try answering your own calls?" And I was like, "Heck to the yeah." First calls and always complaint. And I'm like, sweet, easy. Second calls and always complaint. Sweet, easy. Third call. I think my husband shot himself. <laughs> so what'd you do? Did you <laughs> why do you think he shot himself? <laughs> like, I mean, I I I I didn't know. Like, I didn't even ask the address yet because I was like, you know, but here's also why, for the why are we thinking this? Yeah, and for the folks who are listening and hearing us laugh, it's because it's so wild. Like literally, noise complaint, noise complaint, and then as hearing a statement like that, it's just like, what is happening? Like, where's where's the maybe? How do we not know? Yes or no? Well, you know? And it was it was so wild to me how nonchalant she was. So I thought she got like secondhand info or like he texted her like a, you know, Hey, I'm done. You know, this is the end. She was standing next to him. Mm. And she's like, well, I heard like something like, you know, I heard the gun go off like that and he's snoring and I was sitting there and I'm listening and I'm like, that's not snoring. My trainer's like, that's not snoring. Oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, like let's get you help. And we're sending help as fast as we can. And it was just, it was, it, it was interesting. Cause I've, to this day, I've never met so I've never met a caller who was so just like, like there was no like, oh my God, my husband, it was, I think my husband, you know, shot and stuff. And I was like, ah, I wouldn't be that calm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I might be, I'd probably the, the, the caller that we all kind of shake our head at, like text Hugo, like, I think, I think this happened. What do I do? <laughs> and you'd be like, why are you? 
I, I'm in a different city. Why are you, I can't get you help. My gosh. But it's so, and it's so true because like, and I think we learn this the more we do this job, right? Is like, you just never know. And for the folks in the world out there, you just never know how people respond in these moments. You know, like people are like the correct way to respond is just, non-existent to me yeah I mean I've talked to DV victims who are like so upset and crying and then I've talked to DV victims and are like yeah he's here doing the same stuff again or you know victims of violent crimes you know victims of shootings all kids. Things. so you'll or, get you know sometimes kids who are the most reliable witnesses in the most heinous crimes mm-hmm. weirdest thing ever yeah. makes me feel so bad that they're like so used to it or so numb to it that they're able to do that. Yeah. Weirdest thing. Yeah. So, and especially with taking that, like, as one of your first calls, it's like, you well, know. The hardest part wasn't even the call. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I take the call, I get the info. And of course, you know, I start asking the units, like, what happened when you got there? Yeah. And I create the whole Dateline episode in my mind. Cause that's oh, yeah. Let's see your, uh, let's see your mug, your mug there. Tis the season. <laughs> Um, Hold on. It's either serial killer documentaries or Christmas movies. We either slaying or slaying. So, <laughs> so, you know, I'm doing my whole like, you know, asking them like, you know, what happened? And this is, you know, mind you, 90% of the time, we're not going to know how something plays out, especially yeah. that early on into your career, because you don't know these officers. They they don't know you. They're not going to just like give you information. Um, I got lucky because my trainer was super awesome. So she was like, I'm going to put out feelers, figure out what happened. But the worst part of this wasn't the call. It wasn't the sound of the death gargle, which is what she thought was the snoring. Mm. It was the fact that afterwards, everyone kept asking me if I was okay. Mm. And I, it didn't bother me. Mm. Um, and it's not because, you know, I'm, I'm crazy or anything. It's just that's I compartmentalize different than, you know, my trainer does or, you know, my supervisor. But like that was more upsetting to me than the call because I was like, why am I not? Sh- should I be not OK? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, for sure. And so there was a lot of self-doubt. And then like they had told me, you know, if you need a minute, take a minute. And because they kept asking me that, like I went and I took a minute and it's like probably midnight because we were on a swing shift mm-hmm. and I called my dad because fireman probably awake and I was like there's something wrong with me <laughs> he's like I mean it, you got to narrow it down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> good answer dad good answer and I was like I took this call and I told him about it and I was like you know it's it's not it's not like making me cry it's not you know making me nervous and they keep asking me if I'm okay and I'm I'm fine. And he goes, Oh no, that's fine. And he's like, oh, you're just used to it. <laughs> and I was like, used to it. He's like, you you compartmentalize things different. You know, you've heard stories, you know, growing up about stuff. Like to you, what's traumatic isn't what's gonna be traumatic to the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is true for everyone who's out there trying to get into this. It's like you're the thing that makes me you know, jerk and tear is going to be different than um, Katie's thing that makes her jerk and tear. And I remember early, one of our um, dispatchers like poked their head in and they're just like, 
yeah, you know, like calls are weird because like when I didn't have kids, like kid calls didn't bother me. I didn't have kids. But now that I have kids, like kid calls bother me. You know, that's what they their advice to us. Yeah. Was. It's just as your life progress, progresses, your triggers are going to progress too. And your what you bring into this job is going to have its own triggers as well. You know, so if you're, if you're not crying over the thing that someone else is crying over, like, don't freak out. Don't call your dad in the middle of the night. (laughs) You are normal. (laughs) And, you know, we all feel things differently, especially in this line of work. I mean, I think I do a really good job at like forgetting calls too. Like I'm the worst dispatcher to be like, what's that? What do you tell me? Like your craziest caller, but like, cause I just don't remember them. I have like a few trinkets that I remember. And a lot of those that I remember are someone else's call that it was just like so wild that I can't, Forget it, but I didn't get to hear it. I had someone bring up a call I took, I think it was like a week ago. Mm. I had no idea what they were talking about. Right? I took the call. And not only did I take the call, but like it was right when we were moving positions. So I took the call and I dispatched it. Oh. (laughs) But, you know, I go, I I take and dispatch hundreds of calls a day. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't mean, you know, I don't care. It's just the way I process is I, I let go. Yeah. You know, there's, there's certain things that do bother me. It usually has to do with like, um, loss of power. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm the, the, the calls that stick out to me the most other than that call tend to be the open lines where I have to sit there and I just hear someone screaming as they're hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, because to me, the worst thing in the world is, hearing someone begging you for help and you can't do anything at the time mind Mm -hmm. you my units are gone as fast as they can Mm -hmm. but unless it can you know bibbity bobbity boop and be there it's not going to change the fact that someone's you know being stabbed being assaulted being beaten you know nothing's going to change that and the fact that you know they're, they're asking you to make it better and you're sitting there and all you have for them is we've got help coming. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, don't hang up, stay with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say those are, yeah, those are definitely hard because it's that sense of helplessness again. Like you've done all you can, you got the right address, you got as much info as you could from them. You're sending the right help. And now all you can do is kind of be a, figurative hand on the back like we're coming stay in there and it's hard especially because you know for all you know they might have dropped the phone across the room and so you're hearing it from far away and maybe the suspect doesn't know they called so you you know if there's times where you can't talk because like you don't know is this on speaker can he hear me does he know she called or does he know or does she know he called you know depending on what the circumstances are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're sitting there and you're like, can I give those reassurances? Mm-hmm. Um, those are the only ones that ever really stick with me. And even those eventually, like I found a way to exercise them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> not really, but I, you know, I, I'm processing still. Yeah. They don't go away overnight. Yeah, they don't. And I think that it's a constant, you know, the way we uh, compartmentalize, the way we decompress, the way we dump, 
you know, our calls, it's all different for each of us, right? Like how that looks is different for each of us. But the important part I would say is that you're actively trying to do it. However it is for you, like you're saying, you know, I'm exercising them. It's a process. Like as long as you're figuring out the process and you're like constantly working towards perfecting your process like that's all we can really ask for because that's gonna create that longevity in this career right is being able to take the tough calls and not even like the tough big calls like just the constant calls right we're constantly hearing trauma we're constantly listening to folks who are having a terrible day whose partner is harming them who a stranger is harming them or, you know, we have to transfer someone over who's having a medical emergency and their their love of their life is no longer breathing, you know. Or just someone who who's having a, a men- like a, a mental health episode and yeah. they've lost their grasp on reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be heartbreaking in and of itself because you've got these people who they don't see their illness the same way because they're in it. Yeah. Um, those are always... I mean, you'll get you'll get one or two who, you know, are just calling to say hi. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's some I miss. There's some I'm just talking to. I've got I've got one that calls in the regular and he's got a very distinct voice. And I miss who I miss. Hello. And then he like says our department. Um oh, and no. I miss. Yeah. He he starts his his spiel. Because he has a very set um, dialogue that he goes through every time he calls. Mm. And I've gotten him so many times that I always stop and I say his name and I say, honey, have you, eat- have you eaten today? You know, are you, are you, are you near our local shelter? Are, are you staying warm? And he always goes, oh, you always ask me. Yes. I-. And like tells me he ate, mm-hmm. tells me, he, you know, if he's staying warm. And then he, and then he, he you know, he tells me, you know, never mind. You know, just keep yourself safe and I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Calls back 10 minutes later because he forgets the conversation. <laughs> um, but it's funny because, like, I have friends who are on patrol who are in the area that he um, camps in. And they've heard him call and they're like, how, like, how did you get him to stop his spiel? And I was like, it catches him off guard. And sometimes they just need that little, like, bit of caring. But it's mm-hmm. sad because literally 10 minutes later, he forgets that he had that little bit of caring mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's you get all sorts of different types of trauma whether it's inner stuff that no one can see but you can hear mm-hmm. Ugh. yeah and i mean even those little ones build up and you just got to find a way to you know peer support therapy um you know talk to your, friends. Talk to your friends you know i mean maybe not maybe not all your friends <laughs> Because some people who may not be in it do not necessarily understand sometimes and they can be a little judgmental. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they don't love you. Yeah. It's because they haven't experienced the same things. Yeah. Um, but talk to your friends you work with. Yes. It's important to have a village. Mm-hmm. I still call Ashley. Yes. Yes. We do. <laughs> we're, we're in different villages now, but I still call her. I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. so I did thing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, sometimes you need someone to just to just talk to about the stuff. And I would also say it's important to have friends outside of this line of work. 
someone who is not going to just want to trauma dump with you right after your 12 hour shift. I think that's also important as well is having those groups of people who are outside and that you can get away from this, this first responder culture because it can be consuming, right? Being in this line of work, always worried about calls. I mean, when I left my previous agency and, and you guys had a big incident happen, like there's, there's FOMO there. There's like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't there with them for this big thing. And, you know, um, so it's, it's really nice to step away from it as well, because you can get caught up in all the wanting to be in every call, wanting to know every outcome, you know, trying to get in everybody else's calls because it's interesting, right? Like, yeah. you know, first responder emergency service, it's, it's all interesting, but it can become a, a, a full-time gig where it doesn't need to be, right? Yeah. And I mean, I know for me, that was always a hard thing because I came from a job where, um, you know, bar- bartending, parting is a part of the lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. I was lucky in the fact that like, I was always on the outskirts of it because I'm an introvert. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> it's funny because I'm red when we take the personality color test. Mm. Um, I, bright red. But red brown. Um, brown was one, right? I think it was red brown. Brown? I was like red blue. I was red mm. something. Mm. I remember I was red. But um, for someone who's supposed to be like so outgoing and like, you know, look at me. I don't like crowds. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like strangers. Uh-huh. Um, like every time my friends are like, hey, let's go dancing. I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of people that I don't know that I'm actually socialized with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially because of the type of job I was in, you know, that's a lot of people who might have different lifestyle choices mm-hmm. um, that aren't necessarily um, looked upon well with the type of job I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did have to let go of a lot of those friends and it wasn't like, oh, you know, screw you, you know, kick the rocks. It was more of just natural distancing starts to happen. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was a big struggle. Cause I went from like, I had this huge group of friends to like, it was dwindling down and it became almost solely my friends at work. Mm-hmm. And even now I have one of my best friends um, used to work with me and he no longer does. And when we talk, I have to like pull myself back. Cause like, I'll start just like trauma dumping about work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> <I don't care. laughs> and mind you, he isn't, he doesn't mind. Cause he, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, get it out. We don't, we do not need you losing your, marbles yeah like that would be a scary day mm-hmm. um but it's also not fair to him because like i don't need to be constantly trauma dumping on him mm-hmm. um and so we've you know he's he's been helping me like figure out how to like switch it off mm-hmm. <laughs> <Now I'm good>. <laughs> <laughs> still work in progress but it, I, mean, I work like i'm supposed to work three to four days a week i work almost like five days a week Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit hard when you're working, you know, 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just a lot. Yeah. Seriously. It's a lot of a lot of calls, a lot of time. I mean, it 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 really is a commitment, right? Like this line of work. It really is a it's one of those things where 
you know, when you talked about people who are, who are interested in getting into this line of work, it's like, there will be times like you are experiencing now where there's no one else to do the job. So guess who gets to do it? You know? And it's like, you know, it's, it's my day off. It doesn't matter. Like someone has to answer 911. You're being forced in and you know, your number's up. It's your day. And for some people, like that's, that's a hard no. You know, some yeah. people are like that is, I'm not going to be mandated to work on my day off. It's not fair you know, X, Y, Z. Um, but that is a reality of this line of work. So if you are considering, you know, getting into dispatch, getting into any first responder service, really, um, you could be put in this position where you're being mandated to work on your days off and it yeah. sucks. It sucks days, to come into work. Days when you off are not guaranteed. Yeah. You're not going to get holidays off. Just lose any idea like that you think you have about holidays. And I've seen it happen to a couple of friends who like, they, they knew what the job was. They understand they, you know, they, or they thought they understand. And then it actually happens where they can't get that holiday off and it hits them differently. And it's, it's hard to see that, like, that little piece of them die. Cause they're like, I thought I could do this. And they realize like in reality, like you literally do not get the day off on a holiday. We, they go to the smallest amount of staffing at most apartments that I'm aware of so that mm. they can try. But even then, unless you have like 20 years in, you're probably not going to get the day off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, especially for those, you know, with kids, like I'm lucky. Like I, I got, I got a cat. She's cool. But like yeah. she do her own thing. I, you know, so I don't mind working holidays. Does it stink? Sure. Do I turn it into a party? Totally. We're going to have a really good potluck. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, for me, it's not a big deal to get off work and then just like toot on over to where, you know, my family is, join them for like two hours and then go home and sleep. Yeah. Um, It's harder for those who, you know, have children or who have set expectations of what their holiday looks like. Mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to have that expectation met. Yeah. And if you're going into this thinking like, Oh, you know, they're going to get me on staff and then they're going to, their, their schedule is going to change for me. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no. If anyone makes you that promise, run. Yeah. <laughs> run. Because they are trying to like bait and switch you and that's not fair. Yeah. And it makes me wonder then what else are they bait and switching about? Like what's your, What's your pay really going to look like? Right? (laughs) All right. So as we come to a close, the question that I ask everybody who dares to come on this show with me, you got volunteered, so I appreciate you. (laughs) What advice would you give someone who's considering a career in dispatch? Be honest with yourself about your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, in dispatch, you can have very few. Mm. Um, if you are someone who is um, needing specific things, like you can't stay up at night or um, you can't handle other people's emotional dumping, like if, if your friend or family member unloading on you is too much, this may not be for you. Um, understand what your boundaries are, understand what your limits are. Do as many sit-alongs as you can during your hiring process um, and be honest with yourself. 
they glamorize this job a lot. We are underpaid. We are underappreciated and we are overworked, Mm. but we make a huge difference. Mm. And for a lot of us, I I can only speak for myself. I know Ashley and I've talked about this a couple of times. It's not about the praise, the money, or the, the amount of free time we get. It's about the being able to give back, the being able to help. Um, and if that's not enough for you, that's okay. Mm. But this might not be the correct path because it's going to get rough. There's going to be more rough days and there are going to be smooth sailing days. So look in on yourself. Look and do as much research as you can. Listen to calls. Um, be prepared. And if it's not for you, even if it's two weeks and two years in, it's okay. Mm-hmm. At any point in time, you can say, hey, man, I hit my limit. I was not expecting to feel this way or, you know, that came out of the blue. Don't put yourself in harm's way for this job. Mm-hmm. Look after yourself. So, Drew, I'm going to just echo that one more time. If you get into this line of work and what at whatever point – You figure out it's not for you, throw in the towel and know it is okay. Because yes, we need more dispatchers, but we need more folks being happy and thriving in the work they are doing. And if for some reason, whatever reason it being, either the calls are tough, the scheduling sucks, you know, whatever it is, it's not hitting for you, bow out and know that me and Katie support you. We <laughs> we believe in people understanding and setting their own boundaries. And if this ends up not being the right field and work environment for you, it's okay to back out of it a thousand percent. There's other parts of the department that may need you still. There's records. Mm. There's, you know, admin. There's other things you can do if you're so set on being part of a police or fire department. Mm-hmm. If you decide to tap out, talk to them about checking those out too. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. There's no bad part of a department. There's no bad part of a department. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. We we need all the help we can get in every avenue of the work we are doing, right? So with that, Katie, thank you so much for jumping on with me. I miss you. I miss our our teaching sessions, our rants at work. You know, our beach hut. Our what? Our beach hut. Our beach hut. Yeah. I'm all the things. I miss you guys (laughs) out there so much. Um, But I do appreciate you jumping on with me. I'm going to kick you out respectively and I'll be right back with you. All right, everybody. That was another great episode here at Let's Talk Dispatch. Again, Katie, thank you so much for coming on with me. Um, It's always refreshing talking and chatting with folks who you've been through it with. Um, and continue to go through it with. So again, thank you so much. Um, Like, subscribe, tell a friend, and until next time, stay raspy, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Let's Talk Dispatch. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube at The Raspy Dispatcher. Follow us on Instagram and check out Let's Talk Dispatch anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll see you next time and stay raspy.